Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, March 4th, 2024. Are you looking for an MBA program where you'll be more than just a number? Vanderbilt Business offers a personalized learning experience to help each student reach their unique career goals. Whether you're looking to switch careers entirely or accelerate the path you're on, the Vanderbilt MBA program will provide you with the individual support you need to propel your career forward. Vanderbilt is currently waiving their $200 application fee for MBA Wiretaps listeners. To learn more about the Vanderbilt MBA program and to claim your application fee waiver, visit business.vanderbilt.edu slash clearadmit. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going this week? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So I, I can't believe it's March and you know I can kind of finally see some light at the end of the tunnel. You may not know this, but the U.S. Um, is going to daylight savings this coming weekend. And this is something I don't want to get on a soapbox, but Europe, we, we're not changing for another three weeks. And I got to say, when I first moved to Europe, it was synced with the U.S. and I'm sure the U.K. was as well. And for some reason, that's gone off the rails. And it seems like every year it's a struggle because now we're going to be one hour less different from the... Anyway, this is just one of those like nonsensical things that I feel like the world needs to get on the same page with. But <laughs> that's my that's my soapbox. <laughs> it's challenging too when you work as a, you know, in a global... I mean, obviously, Claire admits we're, we're quite a small... Well, we'll call ourselves boutique, <laughs> but we are global, right? So <laughs> We are. So yeah, hopefully <laughs> I show up at the meetings at the right time in the next two or three weeks. Well, now that we've documented this on the podcast, you have no excuse for being late to our meetings. So <laughs> doesn't always work that way, Graham. I know, I know. Uh, so what happened last week, though, in terms of MBA admissions stuff? Because I know, you know, on, on the last show we recorded, we were talking about MIT and whether they would, you know, issue their invites, which I, they did. But what's, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, thankfully, MIT delivered literally within the day of prediction. So, um, so so that was good. So all the top schools have effectively released um, interview invite decisions. A few will still trickle them out. So if you're in one of those buckets, maybe Stanford, maybe Haas, um, yeah, th- there'll be several others that, that fit that, Yale perhaps. There, there's still a little bit of hope. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that hope does tick away at each day, right? Um, so yeah. um, the, fi- <laughs> the fix, there's a fixed number of non-invites each day. I mean, well, anyway, I'm not going to go into the math, but you, people get <laughs> the idea. But we're, 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 you know, people are still interviewing. So, so we're in the thick of the interview season, as it were. But also round three, well, we've got a couple of things going on. We've got some round three application deadlines mm-hmm. um, already in the hopper. Um, so, so a couple more of those um, coming up next week. Um, I should know who they are, right? Um, but, <laughs> but I, I, I do. Who, who, who are they? Um, INSEAD on Tuesday. Um, it's actually round four for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Keenan Flagler and Tepper on Monday. But Wednesday of this upcoming week. Tepper releases its round two decisions. Oh, wow. Okay. So they're really the first of the big schools to um, release the following week. There'll be a couple more. And then we get into what we call decision weeks for round two, where all the top schools effectively release those round two decisions. So so that just gives us an indication of where we're at in the round two cycle. Tepper kicks us off next week with round two um, decisions. Oh, cool. Yeah, I can't wait for these decision weeks. It's always fun to see the results. As you were saying, there are some schools that are still trickling out invites. And I actually saw a really helpful post up on Livewire. A candidate had called 
the UCLA admissions office just to sort of, I don't know, inquire about something. And they found out that they're still trickling out invites until like March 22nd. So some of the schools, you know, really will send out invites up to the wire. Uh, and I appreciate that person posting to Livewire about that. That's that's what it's there for. Yeah, I, 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 I did see that, Graham, but I will qualify that. Yeah. March 22nd is probably the date they're releasing right. or, or, or rolling out their round to final decision yeah, so the likelihood bit, yeah. of getting an invite <laughs> in the last week it gets slimmer um is going to be really really slim yeah agreed agreed um in any event it's been cool to see there's just a lot of activity on livewire and people yeah. helping each other which is great uh you mentioned wednesday uh of this coming week uh as being i think you said that's when tepper's doing their um announcement for round two decisions it's also um the day that we're doing an nyu stern uh chat uh, in, in one of the chat rooms on our site, it's going to be an Ask Me Anything. Uh, so Wednesday, March 6th at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. And you can sign up for that in advance, which I believe you have to do at bit.ly forward slash C-A-N-Y-U-A-M-A, because we're going to set up a special room. And I guess they're going to have some uh, admissions folks, maybe even alums there to kind of chat. Should be fun. Uh, so t- join us on Wednesday for that. The other thing, Alex, is we continue to do that star stuff on the wires where I'm now seeing more and more uh, of our uh, community members earning those likes and getting stars. If you get 30 likes, you get a star. Um, If you have 62 stars, 90 likes is three stars. That's the top level of kind of contributor on our site. And we're doing awards for that. So as we've been saying the last couple of weeks, you can get a $10 Amazon gift card when you've earned your first star. You can get a $20 gift card when you get two stars. And if you get to three stars, we'll send you a $50 Amazon gift card. So keep um, coming, keep keep sort of, you know, throwing out the helpful comments and, uh, you know, you, hopefully you'll earn those likes on the site and and earn your way to some Amazon stuff. So that that's kind of fun. I know you've been tracking that. Yeah, yeah. No, very good. Very good. Uh, over on the website, we did a couple of admissions tips that are very relevant. One is about what we called unusual interview practices, uh, which, by the way, I think the Wharton TBD falls into that as well. Um, but we cover a bunch of different things in that tip. And we did a second tip also about interviews called post-interview protocol. And that's all about like, what do you do after the interview? Um, you know, a lot of these schools uh, will allow you to kind of um, submit a thank you letter, that kind of stuff. So we give a lot of advice there. There are a couple of schools, I want to say HBS, maybe MIT, or, or I can't remember, maybe MIT is before the interview, but HBS has that post-interview reflection. Um, So I think we might talk about that too in there. Um, Anyway, read those tips if you're in the interview process. Another thing is that we continue to roll out those real numbers pieces. So Alex, I want to play a little game here. We did two posts for real numbers. One was GMAT averages and the other was GRE averages. And this is all U.S. schools because it turns out that the non-U.S. schools are a bit murkier about what they release in terms of these data points in some instances. So we'll stick to the U.S., GMAT averages, who do you think leads the way with the highest GMAT average among top business schools? Stanford. You know what? It's interesting. So Stanford has an average GMAT score of 738. 
Um, HBS posted 740, but that's their median score. So it's sort of hard to know, right? But those two are at the top. But here's the funny thing. Who do you think is... Do you know the difference, Graham? The mean and the median? Yeah, I, actually, I do. I do, but I couldn't <laughs> tell you. But I don't think I could tell you what that means in terms of, you know, which of these schools really has the better GMAT test takers. Like, because... So which is the median and which is the mean? So the median is the midpoint of all the... No, no, oh, no, no. I'm not asking you the math <laughs> Definition. Stanford was the median or the mean? Oh, sorry. Stanford used the mean and Harvard used the median. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's kind of interesting. But who do you think is in third? Because this was not what I expected at all. Um, in third. Well, you you would probably throw out, throw in Wharton as third. But since you say <laughs> it's unexpected, maybe Booth? No, it's, it's Haas. So Berkeley Haas with a 733 average or median on the test so very high yeah you know what it is it's the the power of the small school right small school numbers well and i also think i do wonder if berkeley's location in california being a public institution and being you know kind of neighbors to stanford um, means they're attracting a lot of candidates who are california focused and pretty talented and you know looking at stanford and berkeley and they have high test scores so in any event it's hard to say but it's it was just interesting to see and i think wharton you're right wharton and columbia are kind of right afterwards um at like 7 30 or so so anyway that was that was just kind of fun then we had the gre averages and i'll get i'll just let yeah who do you think has the highest gre scores give me give me your top three Yale. So yeah, Yale is number one with a 330 average. And I mean, I just have, I feel like we have to say this. If you use the conversion chart from, you know, GRE to GMAT, Yale is the only school whose GMAT average and GRE average are actually the same. Um, Everyone else kind of uses the GRE to basically accept lower GMAT type scores. I mean, that's what it seems to look like. Um, But yeah, just kind of fascinating. Stanford's next with 328. Any idea who's in third? Haas. (laughs) <laughs> no, <laughs> nice one. No, it's it's Harvard Business School with three twenty six. Yeah, that makes and sense. And they're actually they're tied with uh, Kellogg and NYU also at three twenty six. So anyway, kind of fun stats. And I, I think we will run a GMAT averages score for Europe uh, for the top European schools. But I was talking with Lauren on our team, and GRE wise, we don't have that data for European schools. They're not consistent about reporting it, and so I don't yeah. You know, so just not not as much of a thing, I guess, um, for those programs. And I would I would guess that the average of the very, very top schools in Europe is probably 10, 20 points lower. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll be lower. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. I think NCAA and LBS will probably lead the way, but they'll yeah. be more, um, down, yeah, a little bit lower. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully that'll come out in the next week or so. Um, I'm also really excited to say that we've started our Real Humans alumni series. And that's a series where basically uh, Lauren on our team goes to all the top business schools in the world and says, hey, we want to talk to people who've graduated from your program and who are working at leading companies um, that we know admit site users are interested in learning about. And so we kicked it off with two students or two grads, sorry. The first is this woman named Diana who went to Chicago Booth. She graduated actually in 23, so very recently. And she's working as an investment banking associate at Citi. And we always ask them, you know, they, they all get asked the same questions. And it's a lot of things about applying to business school, but also about recruiting for the job that they're in and surprises, et cetera. And the thing that Diana shared that I thought was worth noting here is we asked her, what piece of advice do you wish you'd been given during your MBA? And she says, quote, it's easy to get distracted because there's so many things to do and social events going on. 
And I would say, know what you want out of your MBA experience and explore programs at school even after you get your job. She's like, after I got my job at Citi, I chose to explore the private equity programs at Booth, such as the PE Lab, the SPITC, and the Private Equity Case Challenge. I got so much out of these programs and was really glad that I maximized my learning experience at Booth. And she goes on to say in the, elsewhere in the interview that I think those experiences have actually helped her in her role at Citi doing investment banking. So just, I thought that was good advice, like know what you want and don't, don't like, you know, just kind of rest on your laurels once you've landed the job that you want. She's probably using private equity to get into, I mean, investment banking to move into private equity, right? You're, yeah, I would think so. And so yeah. that's why, yeah, that made a lot of sense. So that makes perfect sense what she's done. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, our second real human who is a grad of a top MBA program is this guy named Anant. He is a graduate from IESE in uh, Barcelona, and he graduated back in 22. He's now a senior consultant at Allianz. And the thing that I thought was fun is that, so another question we often ask is, were there any surprises regarding your current employer's recruiting process? And so Anant says, kind of, in consulting, we ended up focusing a little too much on the case interviews, but sometimes interviewers throw a curveball. For example, in one of my interviews, the interviewer focused the conversation largely on discussing the macroeconomic situation and getting my views on how that could impact the industry, which was something I had not expected or prepared for. But being aware of what is happening in the market and world is generally expected of an MBA and staying on top of it can come in handy. So I thought that was really good advice. Um, do, do you agree? <laughs> I would agree. But yeah, I mean, that it just seems like that's just too obvious. I mean, I'm, I'm not criticizing the, the comment. I think the comment's very good to remind folks. But yeah, if you're going to be a consultant, you need to understand the marketplace. Yeah. And someone once told me, like, before you go into an interview for a job in the business world, it never hurts to, like, read that week's Economist or, yeah. or some kind of business-oriented global magazine that, you know, helps you to sort of just make sure you're aware of, like, what's going on in the world. Because it is easy. And there's no excuse anymore, right, Graham? I mean, we have access to all this information. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I read the BBC app every morning, um, you know, the general news all around the world. And I love it. Yeah. You know, for half an hour, I feel like I kind of have a, a, a good sort of understanding of, of geopolitical stuff, um, not not just what's going on in my own backyard. And um, as much criticism as the BBC gets, I still think it's an outstanding um, news media organization. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we have, to, the, there's a ton of access, as you say, to, to information and there's no real excuse. And I also think though that in, in defense of MBA students, it is easy to just get sort of lost in the day-to-day -day of the MBA program and your friends and you kind of, it's like a break from the real world. So I could see how someone would be you know, could potentially unprepared. So yeah, definitely good advice if you're interviewing for jobs. The last thing I wanted to mention before we talk about this week's candidates is that we did a piece um, on our Fridays from the Frontline series where we had this guy named Brian Ward, who's a NYU Stern and Wagner. Um, he's a joint degree in public policy and, and business at, at NYU, uh, graduating in 24. And, and he basically wrote a piece about impact investing. And and basically, I, I'll, I don't want to spoil it or anything, but he... Um, has been doing work for the NYU Impact Investment Fund, which invests what they call patient capital into social enterprises, expecting long-term social and financial returns in the sectors of financial inclusion, environment, healthcare, and aging, education, and food systems. So it's a really fascinating read because he talks all about 
you know, the, this this fund and, and the, the investments they've made and they're, they're about to make, I think, their fifth investment. So it's a relatively new thing. And yeah, just this idea of how you can be a part of, uh, you know, the finance, but also, you know, doing good and, and helping the world. So it, it's just an interesting read and it's on the site that went up, I guess, last week. So check it out. No, absolutely brilliant. You know, I'm I'm right. I'm doing a deep dive on this area of trust mm-hmm. and obviously, um, social welfare and, and, and sustainability are a big piece of that now yeah. in terms of trusting business, business, you know, folks that we do business with, are they um, exploitative, extractive in terms of the planet or are they negative and so on and so forth. Yeah. But you know what I read the other day? I know this is a complete tangent, but it's pretty horrifying, <laughs> right? We need to go ride around in electric vehicles. And I'm recording this on my iPhone device. And I've actually got my iPad recording a backup. You know, I have all these <laughs> devices with these renewable batteries. Mm-hmm. But they all rely on cobalt, mm-hmm. 80% of which comes from the Democratic Republic of Congo. Yeah. And the, the mining that goes on there and everything involved in it is awful. Yep. Yeah, I've heard about this. Completely undermined. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah, and I've just bought a battery for my solar. So, so I, yeah, it's 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 a really, um, yeah. Anyway, I know that's a complete tangent, um, but but there are certain paradoxes in this movement to sustainability that need to be addressed. Fast fashion is another one, but yeah, yeah, we don't have time to talk about that. Yeah, we'll have to do a separate show on this stuff, but <laughs> um, and maybe get a professor to join us or something. That would be kind of cool. Um, oh, you, 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 you're doubting my level of interest. Oh, no, 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 I'm no. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, we need to get a real expert. Yeah, no, yes. <laughs> um, no. Uh, so no, but de- yeah, definitely. I mean, just what's what is interesting to me though is that you know this stuff wasn't happening when I was at Wharton or yeah. you know when, when the, during that era, even at Stern probably too. But so it's just nice to see that students are increasingly aware and, and taking steps. But yeah, um, good article. Read it on the site. The only other thing I wanted to mention is we aired a special edition or just a, a one-off edition of the podcast where I interviewed um, J.R. McGrath, who's the executive director of master's admissions at Tepper. Um, and it was actually a, an episode where we just I had him on the show because he's been in this industry for like 20 plus years. And we just talked about uh, different kind of MBA course offerings. So Tepper's well positioned because they have, you know, a whole bunch of whatever with hybrid, executive, you know, traditional, accelerated, all these different. So we talked through kind of the different types of MBAs that one could pursue and how you might go about making that decision. So not just for Tepper kind of fans, it's really a general podcast for people who are thinking about, you know, what type of MBA they want to pursue. Uh, so you can tune into that. It's where it should be in the feed where you're listening to this episode uh, right now. Uh, other than that, Alex, we haven't had any reviews in a while, so I'm going to just make a little plug. If people um, have a chance over on Apple, leave us a review. We love to see those. You can also write to us at info at clearadmit.com. Use the subject line wiretaps, and we'll share any words that you share uh, either on this show or also with our team just to help keep everybody motivated as we continue to record these week in and week out. Uh, but Alex, that's all I got. Should we get into our candidates for this week? Let's kick on. All right. So this is Wiretaps candidate number one. 
Our first candidate this week has six schools on the target list, and they're looking to start business school in the fall of 25. Uh, this person's been working uh, in the military, so they're in the Navy. Uh, and after business school, they're thinking about technology jobs, and in particular, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, so a lot of the usual suspects there. Uh, this candidate has a 320 on the GRE. I should note they've taken that test twice and they're thinking about whether or not they need to take it a third time. They actually asked us about that, which we'll get into. They have a 3.64 GPA, five years of work experience, located in the Bay Area. And Alex, before we get into discussing this candidacy, I did want to mention that they wrote in their notes, they said, hey, Alex and Graham, huge fan of the podcast. I listen every day during my commute. Thanks for all the valuable insights you share. I'd love to get your thoughts on my profile. And they did share some additional things like the fact that they're a first-generation college student, they're an underrepresented minority, um, they actually almost failed out of high school due to, for a number of reasons. And so they ended up doing a kind of community college that then morphed over into a public state school to finish their undergraduate degree. Uh, they actually are currently uh, about to start an MS in computer science. That's kind of an online course that they're doing via University of Pennsylvania. So lots going on there. And, you know, again, as I said, five years of experience there, you know, as a naval officer currently uh, working in a nuclear power school as an instructor. Uh, so, yeah, I'll just stop there because there's a lot more that we could get into. But what do you think are the key considerations here? And, and what about this GRE? Because they were asking about that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this, this, the, the fact that they're a first-generation um, candidate, um, underrepresented minority, but, but more so this notion of first-generation struggled in high school, um, you know, that certainly can, can be uh, sort of as a result of the environment, the support structures that they're around and so on and so forth. They didn't recognise, obviously, the, the, the value of education at the time, and they, they fully admit that. Um, as a result of that, they went to, like you say, a community college, and that's where they seem to turn things around pretty impressively, I would say, right? They got a 3.6 GPA out of getting an associate's degree, moved on to a bachelor's degree, at a public um, state school um, at a 364 in chemical engineering, Graham, as you know, I'm a huge <laughs> admirer of folks that go off and do those types of degrees. Um, sure. So absolutely fantastic um, um, sort of turnaround, I would, I would say, right? Which again, I think ADCOM really admire. Um, subsequent to that, five years as a naval officer, um, currently a nuclear, you know, uh, instructing in the nuclear power um, 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 area and so forth. So I would assume, you know, a, as an instructor in such a sensitive area and so on and so forth, uh, this experience is going to play uh, very well or quite well in, in admissions and, and, and so forth. So, so that looks really good too. They have just started an MS, an online MS um, in computer science. So we had a little bit of back and forth about that because I just wanted to make it clear they're still in the Navy, they're doing that, and they're sort of doing that to sort of prepare themselves um, for this transition as more of a tech um, um, po career post-MBA. Right. Um, although I think nuclear must be pretty tech-focused <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and so forth. So, so, you know, I think that they can show that they have the self-awareness to, to add to that preparation. That's very good. 
lots of other things that I like about this candidate, Graham. This 320 in the GRE is definitely probably their weakest spot. And as you articulated in the Real Numbers series that we've run, um, you know, the very top schools are looking for 330s, right? Um, you know, in terms of their medians, um, or, or, you know, th- mid-320s. So I would argue that, I know they've taken it twice, they're planning to take it a third time. Any additional point they can get over that 320 will be helpful, yeah. because they are targeting the very top schools, um, and this is the weakest um, area of their profile, or, or at least it appears to be. So, so yeah, whatever they can do, if they can nudge it up to 323, 324, whatever it might be, I think that'd be really helpful. Um, and I think, again, this is a sort of candidate that ADCOM would root for, right? They've, they can see that this candidate's taken big strides and really moved forward. Um, so, so, yeah, I think overall... Um, they, they, they've got a lot of the right ingredients and if they could bump up the GRE a little bit more, it will have impact. Yeah. And I don't know that I mentioned the school targets at the beginning, but it's Berkeley, yeah. Carnegie Mellon, Harvard, Kellogg, Stanford, and Wharton. So it's, it's a top list, right? And so that's why we're pushing them on the test. I, I agree. Uh, the other thing, you know, while- No Sloan there, Graham. That's a bit surprising. Yeah, Sloan's not there. The other thing that's interesting is that while Harvard and Stanford will be need-based, you know, the other schools are really merit-based when it comes to scholarship dollars. And that's where, you know, getting a higher GRE score may translate to direct dollars from some of these schools because it's yeah, so yeah. merit-based. So I think that, you know, one thing I did want to point out is that they mentioned, so they're, they're basically training sailors to run nuclear reactors, presumably on subs or something, right? So, um, and they said that the place where they're doing the training, where they're, you know, they lead a team of instructors, they have 20 direct reports, um, is, is responsible for training uh, about 900 sailors annually. So, I mean, this mm. is, yeah, th- they have a really interesting um, role and some serious leadership experience. So I just wanted to mention that to underline how strong yeah. the work experience is. And yeah, you don't see this every day. And, and you know, they do a bunch of extracurriculars. They're involved with big brothers and big sisters. Um, and they do some consulting for nonprofits. So they, like you say, they have all the ingredients. It's really, I would just love for them to, if they can, like really buckle down, get a tutor, whatever you need to do. Just if they could add like five points to that score, they may see some serious dollars and great results with their applications. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't agree more. All right. So I want to thank them. And look at Sloan. Yeah. 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 Maybe add Sloan. Uh, I want to thank them for the kind words about the podcast. Uh, it's great. Luckily, there are a lot of back episodes, so they can go back and listen as they're driving every day. Um, um, let's move on, though, and and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So our second candidate this week is also targeting the fall of 25. Um, this person has nine schools on the target list, and they are Columbia, Cornell, Dartmouth, Emory, Kellogg, NYU, Rice, UT Austin, and UVA Darden. Uh, this person's been working pre-MBA at Ernst & Young Parthenon. So in consulting, and they are going to stay in consulting. In fact, they're sponsored, and they will be going directly back to Ernst Young uh, Parthenon. They have a GRE score of 324. 
their GPA is a whopping 3.9 and they have three years of work experience. They're currently out of Dallas. They would love to just go back to Dallas. In fact, they're gonna have to, right? Because they're sponsored. Um, so they're, they're targeting the Dallas area. They mentioned that they are a sponsored candidate, as I said, and that they're kind of focusing more on one-year programs where possible. And so that means that on that list I just said, you've got Kellogg, uh, Emory, Cornell, and NYU that do offer kind of accelerated programs. Uh, so I just put that out there. They mentioned that it seems to be a preference. And Alex, why don't, I, why don't you take over here and tell me, because you had a back and forth with them. You were kind of pushing them on this a little bit and trying to get more details. So what's, what's, the, what's the skinny here? Yeah, I mean, obviously they, they're sponsored by their, their, their firm, so that says something about their work output. And I, I assume they're doing well at um, Ernst & Young, Parthenon. Um, they got a 3.9 GPA, um, so they obviously perform very well academically over a four-year period. That's, yeah. I, I always think a, a really high GPA is super impressive. Um, you know, it shows commitment over a a strong period of time. So I'm, for, for one, I'm a little suspicious about their GRE um, at 324, whether they took the GRE after they learned that they could get sponsorship and whether they <laughs> put the all their effort into getting their very, very best score. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they did, right? Um, yeah. So, so uh, but 324 is certainly within range, even though some of the very top programs, it might be below um, the median. Um, they're three years of work experience, and they want to do this sort of one-year option um, in preference because of the opportunity costs associated with an additional year out of 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 of, of work. I just, I mean, as you know, Graham, as 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 you spent two years at Wharton, there is there is a difference between the overall experience of a one-year MBA and a two-year. I think. Um, and and you know they are qualitatively um, sort of a, a very different experience. So just making sure that they have thought that through um, in detail and recognise that yes, one year is is their best um, is their best outcome. I just wonder if they should take a punt on a couple more M seven programs. Um, and you know, as we talked before we came on the show, Graham, what if they got an admit at Wharton, or you know, maybe even Harvard or Stanford? Is 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 the one year still their best option um, versus you know something that could be you know life changing and and so on and so forth? Um, I know you would say you know when you were at Wharton, there were plenty of folks there that were sponsored, some of whom then would give up the sponsorship and go off in a different direction, right? So um, just making sure that they really thought this all through um, effectively, um, I think think is important. The the schools that they're targeting, I think they probably do have certainly the, the basic metrics to 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 do you know perform well obviously Kellogg's um, would be at the higher end but the, the in, in the highest tier so so that's not a, a given but um, I'm just a bit more curious whether the one year is definitely their best option yeah I, I agree with you and I'm, I'm thinking of a you know there was a friend of mine at Wharton who was uh, sponsored by a non MBB firm just like this person is here and she you know was doing really well at Wharton and decided that um, 
by the way, the, the sponsoring firm allowed you to go intern wherever the heck you wanted over the summer. It didn't matter. Um, and so she ended up interning with, I think, Bain or something and then went to Bain, right? So, and, and it, you know, I was like, wow, you're, you're going to give away all this money that your, you know, firm was going to sponsor you on. And she's like, oh, well, Bain agreed to pick up the tab. So, so you know, there, these negotiations happen. It's not uncommon. I do when I look at this person's profile, I say, wow, 3.9 GPA, a few years experience at a top, you know, a decent consulting firm, obviously. Um, GRE scores maybe a couple points lower than you'd want, but it's pretty good. And so, yeah, I was like, wow, that, you know, are they leaving something on the table? And I also think one, one thing that's fascinating to me is you rarely see a sponsored candidate who's worried about opportunity costs because this, the firm is going to pay. And so this idea that they have to do in one year versus two, it's, it is a little puzzling to me. Um, I get that, you know, it means they'll have one year less of salary if they go for two years. But again, you know, the, the, um, firms picking up the tab on, on the business school. So yeah, I, I would have looked at some additional schools. And I also think the point you make is really important that a one-year program is really different. Uh, you don't forge the same kind of uh, connections and there's you know less elective coursework. There's it, It's just a really different um, experience. And you only get to do this once. You know, I presume this person's pretty young. They only have three years of experience. And so, yeah, I'm sort of wondering like, what's the rush? <laughs> That's my... That's my. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Yeah, the other thing is they are at the younger end of the spectrum, right? right? right. If they'd had seven or eight or nine years of experience, oh, you fine. could yeah. have a, an argument that maybe they're in a bit of a hurry to get back out post MBA. Right. Um, exactly. But, but that's not the case. Should they look at a couple of European schools if they stick to this one year? Um, I mean, I guess it's thought. Yeah, it's interesting. With the idea that they've got the guarantee to come back to the US, right? So, so that could be an interesting. Yeah, I mean, obviously they'd have to make sure that Ernst Young Parthenon will sponsor any program. I presume, I presume they would sponsor an LBS or a, an INSEAD obviously being short um, is another option. Yeah. I guess the, the question I would have for this person is where do they want to be in the very long term? Like what's their career plan? Um, because, you know, the short term is all kind of buttoned up, right? They're going to go back to Dallas, work in consulting, mm. but where do they want to be in 10 years? And that would help me to help them think about school selection. Um, but yeah, I just right. want to, I want to make sure they're not leaving anything on the table. And I do worry a little bit about this focus on just the one year kind of stuff. So hopefully they'll take that to heart. Um, and yeah, if they think they could eke out a few more points on the jury, why not? It could help, uh, especially if they take the strategy of going after some very top programs and not just looking at the kind of one year type stuff. Yeah, yeah. All right. Very good. So I want to thank them for their post. Uh, we've got one more candidate. So let's talk about Wiretaps candidate number three. So as we've been doing for, it seems like the last couple of months now, we're going to um, talk about a decision wire entry. This is a candidate who applied to Berkeley, Duke, Harvard, Michigan, MIT, and Marshall. Um, and the results are in. Uh, they ran the table with the exception of Harvard, where they did not get an offer, but they got in at Berkeley with a $100,000 scholarship. They were accepted to Fuqua uh, over at Duke for 100000 as well. Michigan Ross came in with $150,000, MIT Sloan, $75,000, and Marshall also matching Michigan's $150,000. This person uh, is starting school this fall. They had a 760 on the GMAT. They're located in Europe. Uh, they wanna work in either consulting or tech after business school. And they mention in the notes that they're torn between Haas, which remember is giving them 100,000, Sloan at 75K or Ross 150K. And they say they have a slight preference 
for West Coast because the ideal post-MBA goal is tech um, or maybe consulting. They're terrified of taking on debt as an international student given that the H-1B visa is unpredictable, recruiting's way down, high interest rates. So they're wondering, should I just take the money at Ross and enjoy my time? So Alex, what say you and, and the peanut gallery on our site? Because <laughs> yeah. I saw there were a bunch of comments. <laughs> I mean, I think they'd still enjoy their time at Haas and, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and um, what, 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 was, what was the other one? Sloan. Sloan, right? yeah. Um, but yeah, there is pressure there, right? I mean, um, I mean it is classic. You've got the highest tier program offering 75K, the next tier program offering 100K, and the next tier program offering it's, 150K, yeah. right? So <laughs> this is, you know, th things occur for a reason. It seems like the outcomes are very consistent with the, 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 the tiers of, of, of each of these programs. So um, they're coming from Europe. Um, and looking to work in the United States for a period of time. Um, so, so they've got to mitigate that sort of risk. Um, and and, and I, I would think that Sloan um, would, be, would, would give them the highest opportunity to, to secure the appropriate um, um, employment. You know, Sloan then has then Ross in terms of tiers. Um, but, but they want to be in on the West Coast, ideally, or they say a slight preference for. Um, so that would elevate Haas a little bit more because obviously they're right there and you could do a lot of networking, in-person networking during semesters and so on and so forth. I think that's a real advantage of being in the location that you want to be in post-MBA. Um, so, so that would put, you know, maybe give Haas a, a little bit of leverage. Um, but yeah, Ross, had, you know, at, at almost a free ride or a free ride, whatever that 150 really represents. Um, we know by necessity, Ross does a good job of, of placing people all throughout the United States. So there will be an alumni network for Ross in Northern California. So they really want to scrutinize how well does Ross do? Because I would assume this candidate would be, you know, one of the top candidates at Ross, right? Um, so so th there might be some um, advantage um, to that too. Yeah. So how does Ross place people um, in tech in Northern California versus obviously Haas? And, and, and how does Sloan do it because they're coming from the East Coast? Sloan would obviously offer them more of a opportunity if, if East Coast became more appealing um, Sloan would be very, very good for that. Returning back to Europe, Sloan, MIT, the brand, the networks has got to be stronger. So thinking more long-term, Sloan. I guess I could keep waffling on, Graham. All three are really interesting options. I, I, I don't think there's an easy solution to this candidate's dilemma. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, as you say, textbooked in terms of how the money's shaking out. Yeah. The things that I'm thinking about though is, you know, they may end up in Europe in the long term. I mean, yeah. you know, obviously they're going to try and get an H1B. Um, if they can go to, if any of these programs are STEM, I believe Haas and Sloan both are STEM. Um, I'm not sure about Ross, maybe they are too, but if they get STEM, then they have three years to work in the States and, and three tries to get that H1B, which, you know, then the odds go up quite a bit. Uh, but I was just thinking about, 
in Europe, both Berkeley and MIT have pretty big brands. I would say MIT, you know, with a lead there, um, particularly in the domain of like technology yeah. and science. And so, I, yeah, I do think that MIT Sloan offer is quite compelling. I also, I know they want to be on the West Coast, but I'm just thinking about the beauty of MIT being on the East Coast is that it does have closer access to Europe. And so in the longer run, you know, their their network will be more kind of um, in between you know the poles that they're you know if they, if they're in the, in Europe if they're in the U S they at least Sloan's kind of you know on the East Coast it's going to give them more access so I did look at the numbers I mean you know MIT sends twenty four percent into tech and thirty four percent into consulting um, they also send about a quarter of their class to the West Coast um, Haas obviously it's like thirty percent to tech so a little bit more but 28% to consulting, so a little bit less on the consulting side. Um, and obviously, when it comes to West Coast placements, Haas is sending 75% of their graduates to the West Coast to work, right? They're staying out there and working. Um, I mean, another thing to think about is one school's private, one school's public. I don't know if that if the person cares about that, but it you know, makes, makes for different things. I mean, Berkeley's part of a very large University of California kind of network. Um, MIT's a you know, private institution in Boston. So just things to think about. But I, no one could fa- kind of fault them. I will say that I, I do think the offers from Sloan and Haas are pretty darn compelling. Um, yeah. and, and I know that Ross is giving the most money, but it's, yeah, this is a tough call. I, I don't envy this person. Champagne problems, but it's it's not an easy call. I think we go for Sloan. <laughs> All right. So um, that's going to put a wrap on this episode. Alex, you picked out three amazing candidates as always. I think some good lessons for our listeners uh, who are tuning in. And yeah, we'll, we'll do it all in one week's time and appreciate you choosing these alex very good take care everyone stay safe